Thank you again for listening to our podcast today. Thank you so much for your support. We worship on Sunday at 10 a.m. here at St. John's Lutheran Church in the heart of downtown Martinsburg, West Virginia. Know that you're always welcome to our table and to our worship. God bless. And we hope you enjoy today's message. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 20th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Some Sadducees, those who say there is no resurrection, came to him and asked him a question. Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man brother if a man's brother dies, leaving a wife but no children, the man shall marry the widow and raise up children for his brother. Now there were seven brothers, the first married and died childless, the second and the third married her, and so many, all seven died childless. Finally the woman also died. In the resurrection, therefore, whose wife will the woman be? For the seven had married her. Jesus said to them, Those who belong to this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy of a place in that age and in the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. Indeed, they cannot die anymore because they are like angels and are children of God, being children of the resurrection. And the fact that the dead are raised, Moses himself showed in the story about the bush, where he speaks of the Lord as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Now he is a God not of the dead, but of the living. For to him all of them are alive. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Y'all maybe see my children up. So in an effort to make you always wonder what I'm going to say or do in church, we're going to do a little congregation sing along. Okay, just a very simple little... Song you might remember from your days at Camp Luther. Just give me one verse, okay? I don't want to be a Sadducee. You know what you should be wrong. I don't want to be a Sadducee. Why wouldn't you want to be a Sadducee? Anybody? Because they're Sadducee. I don't want to be a Sadducee. What do you want to be? song. I just want to be a sheep. But the, I kid you not, that song really did help me pass a class in seminary, a test in seminary, on the question was, what's the difference between a Sadducee and a Pharisee? And it, for me, it was, they're Sadducee because they don't, don't believe in the resurrection, like Jerry just said. That's why they're sad. Sadducees believe very strongly in the role of the temple in Jewish worship. In essence, they They ran the temple much like the Levites did in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew Bible, before the Babylonian exile. There was a man named Josephus. He was a historian of sorts. He wrote uh, the antiquity, multiple different volumes of history from his perspective. Some of it's okay. Some of it you can tell it's him reading into it. 
uh, but it's the only real historical account that we have from the time of Jesus. He wrote about the Sadducees and, and says that they believed that there was no such thing as fate. They believed in the written word versus the oral word that the Pharisees promoted. They believed that God does not commit evil, that man has free will, that man has the free choice of good or evil. The soul is not immortal. There is no such thing as an afterlife. There are no rewards or penalties after death. The Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. But they did believe in, this, in the Jewish concept of Sheol for those who have died. And that last point is interesting. It's, it's really hard to understand uh, for, for many of us, even for myself. Sheol is the dwelling place of the dead versus the resurrection, which refers to the physical rising of a body. A Sadducee would say that the resurrection is not possible, but those who are elected, who are chosen, would go to this place of the dead and be there for time. And they believe this because they, they don't see any real biblical proof to support the resurrection in the Tanakh, in the Hebrew Bible. Although not well defined, the Tanakh, in the Tanakh, Sheol was uh, viewed as a subterranean underworld where the souls of the dead went after the body died. It's a weird concept. Even though Sheol is not well defined in the Hebrew Bible, a Sadducee would, would argue that neither is the resurrection of the dead. There are really only two prominent literal references to the resurrection of the dead outside of the New Testament. That's found in Daniel 12 and in Isaiah chapter 25 through 26. The Sadducees believe that in what they see and read. And nothing more. Because there's no real description of life after death in the scriptures, they have come to the conclusion that it simply just cannot exist. And that kind of faith really makes Jesus' words to Thomas take on a whole new meaning. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet come to believe. The Sadducees really fall away after the fall of the temple in 70 CE. When your whole existence is for the proper order and administration of the temple... And that building, that institution is taken away, it's destroyed. Your very existence comes into question. Why do you exist anymore? What is your purpose in life other than for the care of a building? The Pharisees, after the fall of the temple, at the fall of Jerusalem, helped hold Judaism together. They taught people to memorize the Holy Scriptures. You know, burn our scrolls and our books. That's okay, we all got it by memory. We can write it down again. Along with the Samaritans who really promoted this idea that, that uh, worship did not have to happen in Jerusalem but could happen at the local level, Judaism survived because of groups like the Pharisees and the Samaritans who were willing to exist outside of their building. So we have this story about the Sadducees asking Jesus about the resurrection, which is strange because the resurrection is not something they, they care about, that they believe in. So why ask our Lord a question other than to trick him? Their question is, frankly, from my 21st century eyes, a horrible sexist question to ask in a reflection of a male-driven patriarchal society where the rights of women were ignored. The, husband, the, the wife's husband dies and she has no say over her future of who she's allowed to marry. The reason she is married off to Nets Brothers is because she is not permitted to work. She could starve to death. So in some ways, these marriages were seen as merciful. My 21st century eyes see... See, it is not something I would want for my wife or my, my daughter. The Sadducees had little concern for the woman in question's future implication because 
of their theological assumptions. They are simply just trying to trick Jesus. They want to get Jesus to say something wrong. They want Jesus to say something that would cause the people to rise up, to drag him outside of town with stones in their hands. The Sadducees trick, though, leads Jesus down a theological road, road worth exploring. Because who doesn't have a question about life after death? What happens to these relationships we create with one another after we die? The simple answer is human legal relationships, even those bound by Torah, have no bearing in the next life. That abusive ex-husband might act like he has power over you now, but that's not the case in the resurrection. God holds the power, not us, not you or I. And does that mean that we won't recognize people from this life and the new life that is to come? Does that mean I won't see my wife and not have some kind of affection for her, or see my son and not have some kind of love for him? I, I honestly don't know. I think the answer is no. But to be honest with you, I, I'm still living. I haven't died yet, so I don't know. What I do expect to find is life Energy, meaning, and substance. For as Jesus says, our God is a God of the living. We should expect to find life, but not with the same social order that we find ourselves experiencing today. I worry about anyone who really who had, who says they know exactly what will happen when we all die. Jesus doesn't come out and tell us. Paul doesn't come out and tell us. In his letter that he wrote to the Thessalonians, he says in chapter 4, we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will by no means precede those who have died. For the Lord himself, with a cry of a command, with the archangels calling, with the sound of God's trumpet, will descend from heaven. And the dead in Christ will rise first, and those who are alive, who are left, will be caught up in the clouds, together with them, to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. The main emphasis of, of Paul's message to the church is that we will be with the Lord. That is his message throughout the, his entire letter to the Thessalonians, throughout his entire corpus. As he says in our second lesson today, the day of the Lord is already here. Nothing can change that very fact, but it's easy to wonder what this next life holds for us. Especially as many of us grieve the loss of a loved one. The question many of us want to know is, what will it be like? So we turn to people who have had these near-death experiences instead of Scripture. Because these books offer specifics. The book Heaven is for Real was a bestseller a few years ago because it offered specifics. Books like, they, they offer concrete examples of life after death. And I wish there was something more concrete in Scripture that I could hand to people and say, this is what it will be like. But there's nothing. There's nothing there mainly because... None of us, not even the writers of our Holy Scriptures, could begin to fathom what life will be like with our Lord. What Scripture does tell us about life after death is that we will be with God, that we will be with our Lord, and that is all that matters. So instead of giving illusory hope, instead of trying to answer the daunting questions of what will happen to us when we die, I want us to approach the topic from a different angle. I want our message, our answer to simply involve being with the Lord. That's really what people need to hear. They don't need the specifics. They don't need to know that, you know, when, will, will we enter heaven immediately after death instantly? Is it, or is it just like we're sleeping in the grave? Is our soul separate from our body? If you're there now, could you be there now or at the same time in the ground? People need to know that their loved ones, that they themselves will be with God. 
And that's the message I strive to preach at every funeral I preside over, at every bedside I am called to be at, and in my everyday walk of life. The best care of the soul is to give people what they need, and that is Jesus. Not specific so we cannot back up with scripture, just simply Jesus Christ. There's also the care of the living. How are we bringing the kingdom of God to the people who are alive still here now? How are we helping people experience life and resurrection here and now? I went to the symposium this past weekend on the opioid crisis. And we had different workshops. And one of the workshops, there was a mom who talked about her son who was addicted to opioids 12 years ago. She felt that she was all alone. Even though she was a member of a, a faithful member of a church, she felt ashamed to talk to anyone there. She thought she was the only one going through it. She didn't want to feel judged by other people in the congregation. And it turned out that the same time that she was going through her son's addiction... There were two other families experiencing the same thing. Unfortunately, though, she didn't learn about it until about five or six or seven years later, many years later. And she asked all of us in the room to stop hiding behind our white picket fences and to be open with each other. That we all fall short of God's Lord. She could have used the support. These, there, these families could have used each other for support, but nobody wanted to mention their family's problems because of the shame and stigma they all felt. How can we give people life and resurrection? Admit that we're all messed up. We all have problems and we all are in this together. That Jesus Christ loves you no matter what you have said or done. That there is hope and that there is life. We should not be like the Sadducees who are solely concerned about preserving an institution, a place. But to be with the people. And giving them the tools necessary to face all that Satan has to throw at us. So how can we give the people Jesus this day? How can we bring Jesus to people who are grieving, who are feeling hopeless, who want to know that their loved ones are safe? We do what our mission statement is. We proclaim hope in hopeless situations. That is our mission. Be the hope the world needs us to be, needs you to be. Be the hope that your brothers and sisters in Christ need you to be. Be the hope the stranger on the street needs you to be. Be the hope and bring Christ to people who need him the most.